Kids, we can start with Psalms 5112. You can hold that. We're going to get to that in just a moment. Uh, Our whole theme uh, is restored. And once you think about what that word means, restored. If you go in the dictionary, it means restoration is the action of returning something to a former owner or place or condition. The action of returning something to a former owner, place, or condition. Other words that go along with that are the words repair, refurbish, rehabilitate, reconstruction, renew. I mean, can you imagine a church that seeks to restore people's lives and help them reconnect with God? What would that church look like? If a church really got serious about we want to help people restore the relationship in Jesus Christ. And before we get rolling on that, let's pray. Well, Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for the power of the resurrection. We're so thankful that you can restore us as a church. You can restore us individually, that you never give up on us. And the resurrection, more than anything else, gives us all a second chance, and it gives us a chance for eternal life with you. Thank you, Lord, for loving us so much that you defeated death. We thank you for today, that all over the world we worship a risen Savior. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Really, what would that look like if a church really took seriously uh, restoration? Uh, I was reading about a guy, a really interesting guy. His name is Tom Smith. And uh, years ago, Tom Smith uh, was at uh, one of the largest churches in South Africa. He was a young man. He was a dynamic communicator. And uh, in the United States, we would say he was on the fast track. Because he was such a dynamic communicator, they just started sending him all over the area and uh, they started sending him all kinds of meetings. He had to be a part of all these programs. And they were grooming him to take the place eventually of the minister of this very large church. There was only one problem. Slowly but surely, he was dying inside. And he was very busy in the church, but he had totally began to drift away from Jesus. And let me tell you, that happens to a lot of folks. You get so active in church, chasing all the programs, doing all the stuff, and you think, what's happening to me? Well, you've got to stay connected to Jesus Christ. Well, he got to the point that he was so fragile. He went to his wife and he said, if I don't make a dramatic change, I'm going to make some terrible decisions, and so I've got to get out of the ministry for a while. I've just got to unplug. They sold all their possessions. They moved to the United States to get some training. And here's the interesting thing. To be a part of a community that they could grow within the community and not lead in the community. You ever been there? If you're a leader, you know exactly what that's like. You ever been a leader and you're like, I'll do anything. I just don't want to lead that thing. And that's where he was at. Completely fried, completely burnt out. But slowly as this community poured into him and he began to pray and he began to just rest in the Lord, you know what happened? God laid a new vision on him. You need to go back to Africa. You need to start another church, but you need to do it differently from what you've learned. And so he went, and uh, his vision was to set up a church, and uh, they had six values. Now, I'm going to read all six of them, but listen to three of these. This is pretty remarkable. Number one, we as a community will stay plugged in with God every day through prayer, Bible reading, or spiritual exercises, and we will hold each other accountable for those things. Number two, we will not say, I love this, 
What is my spiritual gift? But how am I a gift to my community? I'll just share with you a pet peeve, a religious pet peeve. Sometimes you'll, you'll approach someone and say, man, we have 73 kids in the nursery. Will you help? It's not my spiritual gift. It is today. It is today. Okay? Number three, I love this. Develop a servant mentality for those that are less fortunate to you. Seek to distribute your life's resources, your time, and your treasure to those in need. Now, that's quite a church, isn't it? And as they launched this church, and people began to gather, and at that time, there was just a handful of people. He said, I want you to get this picture about the kind of church that we're going to try to develop. And so he took out a clay pot, and he put the clay pot in a bag. And then he put it on the floor, and then he broke the clay pot, and then he broke the flowers for Easter. <laughs> and then what's interesting is he brought everybody up and he handed them a piece of the clay pot. He said, now I want you to write your name on the inside, and all day I just want you to pray for that. Pray that God will restore you if you're broken. They came together that night and spent several hours. You want to guess what they did? They put the pot back together. And then he put a candle in this pot that was broken and now restored. And the light was coming through the cracks. And he said, this is our church. Broken people allowing Jesus to pour through your life. And you know what the name of that church is? The Clay Pot Church. And if you go online, it's now an international movement. It's a totally different way to approach church. Instead of saying, we're looking for a church of good people, they said, no, we're looking for a church of broken people because guess what? Everyone's broken. If you came here this morning and you're saying, I'm not broken, <laughs> just the fact you said that, you're broken. <laughs> we all have these seasons of brokenness, but when we pull together as a community and then we allow the grace of Jesus Christ to come through, that's the church of restoration Jesus is looking for. Psalms 51.12 says, Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Uphold me with a willing spirit. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. I love that God can restore a church. You know what I love also is that God can restore each and every person sitting here today. No matter how far you've drifted from God, he can restore that relationship. I love Jesus so much for that. Now, how does he do that? Well, I'm a preacher, so of course there's three ways to do that. Okay, so there's three ways to do that. And if you're taking notes, number one is simply this. He renames us. Now, think about that. He renames us. This is from the New Living Translation, Isaiah 62.2. Listen to this. The nations will see your righteousness. World leaders will be blinded by your glory, and you will be given a new name. A new name. Now, this is nothing new. If you look all through Scripture, in the Old Testament, you have Abram. His name was, his new name was what? Abraham. Sarai's new name was Sarah. Simon's new name, Peter, or Petros, the rock. 
Saul's new name was Paul, and Jesus, just on the side, gave a nickname. He said, if you boys don't get your attitude put together, for now I'm just going to call you the sons of thunder. Remember that? <laughs> James and John? That's right. There's a way that God renames us, and I love that. And we need to know, we all know this, that names are important. In 2018, these are the most popular three girls' names. Ready for this? Sophia, Olivia, Emma. Okay, three most popular boys' names, Atticus, <laughs> that's weird, okay, uh, <laughs> Liam, Jasper. And in 2019, here's what's trending, girl's most popular name, Posey. Fontaine. Not Fontaine yet, okay. <laughs> Hang in there, honey, it's coming. <laughs> no, it's not. Okay, boys, <laughs> boys' name, Milo. That's, yeah, yeah we can pray, that's, that's just what the names are. Now, this is nothing new. If you look at uh, celebrities, sometimes celebrities are like, you know what? It's, it's not working for me. So I'm going to give you three celebrities. You may or may not know them. First one, Calvin Cardoza Brodus, also known as Snoop Dogg. Yeah. Anybody see that one coming? Nope. <laughs> that just doesn't work. You know, I am Calvin. <laughs> I... I can, hear, I can hear my kids' voices in my ear. Never do that again. Okay. Here's one you're going to love. Marshall Bruce Mathers or Eminem. Whoa. That wasn't going to stick. Thomas Mopather IV. Tom Cruise. Yeah. He got rid of the Mopather IV. We all know our names matter, don't we? Our names matter. But I was doing some digging, and this is a remarkable verse. It's Revelations 2.17. Listen to this very carefully. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give some hidden manna. I will also give that person a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to the one who receives it. That's intriguing. So I did some digging, and this is a, a scholar. Now, this is a scholar's perspective. But boy, it's got me thinking a lot. He said, the manna, he said, that one's easy to explain. God is saying, if you remember in the Old Testament, here's how the nation of Israel knew that God had chosen them. Every day he provided what? Manna. And that's a reminder for all of us, is if you really want that relationship with God, lean on him every day for your everyday provisions. Say, God, every day, every day I lean into you. And then he said the white stone. In those days, there's a lot of reasons for white stones, but he said a lot of times it was like a, an invitation. It was something important that was being announced, so it was written on a white stone. Now, here's the part that blew my mind. Again, this is one guy's opinion, but I love this. You know, it says that when you cross over to the next life and you're with Jesus, that your, your name is written in the book of life. And this scholar's opinion is you'll be giving every person in heaven will be given a name that only they have. Now, that is awesome. Now, I don't know about you. I'm just going to make sure, Lord, I don't want Snoop. You know, I don't want that. <laughs> But isn't that amazing that God would be so connected to you that he would actually give you a name 
that only you have. Now, is that true? I don't know. But I know he loves us so much that he gave us the greatest name. And when you're a follower of Jesus Christ, what's that name? You're a Christian. I'm a Christ follower. Even that is enough, isn't it? That's more important than your earthly name. That you're sold out to Jesus Christ. He gives us a new name. But he also redeems us. Colossians 1, 12 through 14 says, Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption and forgiveness forever. Did you see what that verse said? First of all, he rescued us. He redeemed us. Now, what's the difference between redemption and restoration? They're very close, but listen to what redemption is. It's to recover ownership by paying a specific price. In other words, we all have a debt. We're all far from God. We all have sinned. We all will sin in the future. So there's a debt that had to be paid. It's the greatest debt and it's the greatest payment for that day, and that is the blood of Jesus Christ. To redeem something or someone is to rebuild it or to restore it and restore it to better than the original. Now think about that. It isn't just taking something like an item or an individual and restoring it to its the original. It's better than the original. Now that only Jesus Christ can do. Now let me give you a couple of examples. Uh, you can restore a car, furniture, a house, and if you use new materials, better materials, you know that that's better than the original. How many of you have ever been to the uh, West Baden Springs Hotel in French Lick, better known as Larry Bird's Place? Okay, so if you go down French Lick, you go in the New Baden area, uh, this is just one of the most amazing structures I've ever seen in my life. In 1902, I still couldn't find exactly what it cost, but I know this. In 1922, it was sold for a million dollars. And then this thing called the Depression came, bummer, and uh, Al Capone and the gang, all of them stopped coming, and you know that that thing slowly started to just uh, fall apart. And then it was restored. Uh, Mr. Cook stepped in, and it's 100 million and climbing just to restore that. Now, do you think it's more beautiful today than it was in 1902? I do. I think the materials have improved. I think it's a more complete facility, even though it's been restored. You know what's even more amazing? He does that with a human. You're here before Christ, and when you're restored, you're better than you ever were before. Now, even if you don't like baseball at all, which, why? But if you don't like baseball at all, you've probably heard this name in an obscure way. You don't even know why. Uh, but this guy is an Indiana native uh, from Terre Haute, and he pitched for 30 years in Major League Baseball, and his name is Tommy John. But here's why Tommy John is famous. Uh, really good pitcher, and after 11 years, he blew out his elbow, and there was a doctor named Dr. Frank Joby, and he had this experimental surgery uh, that they thought could easily be career-ending, but his elbow was blown out, and he thought, I'm going I'm to be done anyway. And they repaired his arm, 
and he was a better pitcher after that than he was ever before. He actually went on to win uh, 164 more games after the surgery. Now, here's what's crazy. Since then, there have been over 450 successful Tommy John surgeries. Now, that's repairing an arm. Jesus repairs your heart. Some of you may have walked in here today with a story. And your story is, man, I am so broken. There is no way God could restore me. And I'm here to tell you the good news. He can restore you. And your life would be better than it's ever been before. I share this uh, in men's ministry all the time. If you give your life to Jesus Christ, I mean, if you give it to Jesus Christ, you will be a better man. And if you're married, you'll be a better husband. And if you're a dad, you'll be a better dad. If you're a grandpa, you'll be a better grandpa. At the end of the day, you are a better person because you gave your life to Jesus Christ. Anyone here today, this may be the first time you've ever come here, and you're wondering, what's this guy saying? Here's what I'm saying. Jesus. Jesus Christ changes everything. It's the restoration that God always wanted us to experience. Sam Levinson said it so well when he said, people more than things have to be restored, renewed, revived, reclaimed, and redeemed. I love that. Jesus Christ, he renames us, he redeems us, and most importantly, he resurrects us. Romans 8, 1 and 2 says, Jesus renames us, he redeems us. And Romans 8, 2 says this, therefore, there is no condemnation. For those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from sin and death. You see, the resurrection gives us life today, and it gives us hope for tomorrow. But why is that so important? Here's the sad truth. You cannot have a resurrection if you don't have death. And I don't want to break this to all of you. But unless Jesus Christ comes back, we are all going to die. And I tell you, in these last five or six years, uh, I've been to way too many funerals. And I've been with families that are so broken. And the one thing, the one thing that helps me, that pulls me through, and that I encourage families is this. I believe the hope of Jesus Christ. And I believe that there's a life beyond this life. And I believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ wasn't just 2,000 years ago. It is now. It is every day. When you draw your last breath and you've given your life to Jesus Christ, let me tell you something. You will be resurrected, not for a day, not for a week. You will live with him for eternity. That's why we're here today. That's why we're here today. Jesus Christ lives today. You've heard this so many times that you have to ask yourself, we did this in a study a while back, is why is this the most quoted verse ever? John 3, 16. But listen to verse 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but will have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but what? To save the world. That's why we're here. He resurrects us because he loves us to save us. I want to close with this. Uh, there's a, 
there's an interesting group called ARDA. And what ARDA does, it's a group that studies spiritual trends all over the United States. And one of the things they do (coughs) is they do a detailed study of every census. And they take that census and they find out how many churches are in, in the counties. It gets all the way down to every county of the United States. And then it finds out how many people are actually attending church that they claimed are in those counties. So I did a little research of my own, and I researched Monroe, Green, Owen, and Lawrence County, and I simply wanted to know how many of those churches are basically Bible-believing churches so that today they're preaching Jesus Christ. 368. There are 368 churches today, Easter Sunday, and they are preaching this message that Jesus Christ has risen. But you know what this also means? There are 368 ministers trying to come up with a creative way to talk about Jesus Christ. And honestly, we try way too hard. Let's just tell people and share with people what Jesus Christ has done for us. So I got to tell you, I got nothing. But I'm so thankful for a young man that attends here named Caden White. Because in less than 30 seconds, he's going to share with you the story of Jesus Christ. I want you to hear what Caden says. This is us. This is God. And Jesus is us since he died for us and sin is all down here. But Jesus died for us so we can walk across the bridge to get to God so we won't sin. Drop the mic. There it is. I mean, there it is. So let me ask you on this Easter Sunday a really important question. Do you know Jesus? Some of you are here and you're like, are you seriously asking me to make a decision for Jesus Christ? You bet I am. You wanted the greatest Christmas gift of all time? you give your life to Jesus. To quote from that very spiritual movie, uh, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? (laughs) Come on in, boys. The water's warm. I mean, (laughs) we've got the baptistry ready. But folks, i got to be honest with you. Some of you came here today. uh, I'm just being honest. Some of you came here today. You might have been drugged here today. But I want you to know, I don't want you to leave here without hearing that We're here to pray with you, we'll walk with you, we'll do everything we can so that you can find your way to Jesus, because there's nothing, there's nothing that will change your world like Jesus. Let me pray for you before we sing this song. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you so much for redeeming us, for restoring us, and because of the resurrection, you've gave us hope. Not for a day or week, but for all eternity. And Lord, we stand before you, and if there's anyone here that, um, that's empty and they just need Jesus, Lord, we have folks here to pray with them, to help them, to encourage them and do everything we can to help them take that next step. Thank you for loving us so much. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can view any message from the past six years 
at socc.org slash messages. You can also view complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv.